But you can't let your flesh show up. Why? Because it's the testimony of our, of our lives that sometimes God will use to reach other people. What I'm not saying is that unorthodox means to do things that are different that violates God's word and his principles. I am not saying that. Because God will never contradict his word or contradict bringing about his will in the name of something being unorthodox. But what he will do is he will contradict our ways to bring about his will. God does not have to get our permission to do what he wants to do. God's thoughts are higher. And if we'll get in frequency with him, watch this, he will share his thoughts with us. God's thoughts may not be our thoughts, but he will share them with us if we're open to him. Many of us don't trust God at the levels we need to because, watch this, we don't know him well enough to love him at that level. God is doing something unorthodox in our church, but he wants to do something in your life that's unorthodox. If you respond wrong to a prophetic, unorthodox move of God, you can miss out. Second Kings chapter 7, Elijah replied, listen to this message from the Lord. Who's the message from church? By this time tomorrow, in the markets of Samaria, five quarts of choice flour will cost only one piece of silver. And ten quarts of barley grain will cost only one piece of silver. The officer assisting the king said to the man of God, that couldn't happen. Even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. And Elijah replied, you will see it happen with your own eyes but you will not be able to eat it so everything happened exactly as the man of god had predicted when the king came to his house he heard it but because he was trying to discern it from the flesh he missed out on it wow stand up right there you say but we just sat down so Grab your Bibles. Wow, he just tried to discern it from his flesh. Man, I wonder how many of us are missing out on some unorthodox things because we're trying to discern it from the flesh. See, some of y'all are still thinking, how did that lady get $2,000 from an empty account? I don't know. But does it matter? The check, it deposited. Because she waited until she gave her 20% to do that. Hold your Bibles up real high. Repeat after me. Say, this is God's word. Not Pastor Ribbon's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open and I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same in Jesus name. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your people. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who gives us the power to live, power to give, power to serve. And I pray today, Father, that the word will go on fertile ground. We won't hear it. 
as if a man is speaking, but we will hear it and discern what God is saying to us. And I thank you in advance for signs, miracles, and wonders following our lives. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We're in a series entitled Unorthodox Love. And the goal of the series has been to provide us with a viewpoint of not only God's love, but God's acts. And as we look into his word, hopefully it has allowed us to get a new perspective of who he is and how his love is. And before I continue, if you'll go get, uh, Bruce, if you'll get in my backpack, there's some candy in there. If you'll bring it. I think I want to bless the congregation with some candy this morning. In order to experience, say experience. In order to experience an unorthodox move of God in your life, you cannot discern it from the flesh. You have to discern it from the spirit. Let me say it this way. You cannot put new wine in an old mind. And some of us are stuck in the past. We must understand that we're dealing with living truth. Everybody say living truth. Living truth. And the living truth has different levels. It has different perspectives. It has different depths to it. And we don't understand sometimes, but we're not just dealing with the word. We're dealing with the living word. Say living word. We're dealing with the living word. John chapter 14, verse 6. It says, and Jesus says, I am the way. Who's the way? Jesus is the way. So even as believers, we should not be afraid to challenge people's perspectives. That's the only way to get to God is through Jesus Christ. Amen. He says, I am the way, the what? Truth. And what else? The life. And then he said, read it with me. No man comes to the father, but what? But by me. And then, listen, and in that verse, it, it explains to us that Jesus not only is the way, the truth, and the life, no man can come to the father, but by him. So listen, if Jesus is the truth, that means the truth is still alive. And if the truth is still alive, guess what? That means we are dealing with living truth, which means that sometimes, you know how you can read the Bible and something will jump out at you or stands out at you? Why? Because the word of God is living. And in fact, the scripture says that the word of God is quick and powerful. The word quick means alive and powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Say amen to that. And this is why you can read the word and get something different from it. Never ever get so familiar with the word that you think you already know what it is going to say. Amen. So I guess they didn't find my candy. It's in my backpack. It's in my backpack. Open it up. Zip it up. Zip it up. Unzip it. Because I want to use this as a perspective on something. Because some, How many like candy? Okay, it's not in there. Okay. All right. So guess what? You won't get no candy. <laughs> Don't worry about it. We'll give you some candy to the second service. And if you want some, stay. All right. All right. How many like candy, by the way? You like candy? Yeah. Uh, Well, he likes candy. 
So we've been talking about God's ways and his love from an unorthodox perspective. And so we define unorthodox as this, and then we're going to jump into the lesson. It means to not conform to rules, traditions, or modes of conduct. Not, listen, conforming to rules, traditions, or modes of conduct. And some of the things that I've had to do, I've had to relax my ways of doing things. Amen. Some synonyms for the word unorthodox is different, eccentric, unconventional, unusual, Far out and to some people it's crazy. But it's crazy until it happens. Amen. And I said this on last week and it's important I want to say it again. Because there are people out there in the cyber world who feels like unorthodox means anything. And when it comes to that meaning, I'm not saying that unorthodox means to do things that are outside of God's word or that violates his word. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking because, see, God will never contradict his word, but he will always contradict our will. Sometimes what we want to do is not what God wants us to do. And so if you're taking notes today, the message topic is love never loses. Love never loses. Everybody say love never loses. Now, the content of the information is going to sound like it's just for married people, but it's not just for married people. The principle of love works for everybody. And so here's what I'm going to do. Plus, most people who are single want to be married anyway. So let's start the lesson out today uh, with a question. All right, here's the question. How does a person go from saying I do at the altar to saying I don't in divorce court? Look at your neighbor and say, I don't know who he's talking to. But he might be talking to you. How does a person, listen church now, listen. How does a person go from saying I do to the altar to saying I don't in divorce court? Which by the way, you know, if you uh, are going down the road to marriage or if you are already married, there are three rings you need to get ready for when you get married. The first one is an engagement ring. The second one is a wedding ring. And the third one is suffering. <laughs> Y'all didn't get it. Okay, it's okay. So here's a take-home statement I want to start with before I answer the question. Here's a take-home statement. If you are not willing to die when you get married, your marriage will always struggle to live. I'm going to say that again. If you're not willing to die when you get married, your marriage will always struggle to live. Amen. So here's point number one. Bruce got some candy. It's not the one that I wanted, but that's okay. This is not enough for everybody. So let me show you the power of perspective. Everybody say perspective. Okay, so what does that say? Can y'all see that? What did it say? For the most part, if you have your reading glasses on, it says many starbursts, right? Is that what you see? Okay, but that's not what I see. I see ingredients. And see, this is the thing. If you, if you approach the word with just one perspective, this is all you're going to see. When God just don't see here, he sees here and he sees what's inside the bag without opening it. Say amen to that. All right. So there are four points that I, well, three points I'm going to give you today. Here's point number one. And I'm going to talk about four poisons of love. Now, this love, it relates to not just marriage. This is friendship. This is relationships with your family. This is everything. So what is poison? Because I'm going to talk about four poisons that poison love. What is poison? It's a substance that is capable of causing illness or death to something. It is something that has destructive or corruptive influence. So listen, here's the NIV 
of first Corinthians 13. It's going to talk about love. And then I'm going to give you the four poisons of love because the four poisons can poison not only your love for your mate. It can poison your love for your, your, uh, your children. It can poison your love for your job. It can, it can just poison any area of your life where you have love for something. It says love is patient. Love is kind. It is not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Wow. Tear your list up. It is not scriptural when you get into a debate or a situation with your spouse. It is not scriptural to bring up all the things that they have done. That's not scriptural. We just read. It says it keeps no record of. Oh, okay. Keeps no record of wrong. That's what it says. Verse 6, love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. Love always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never what, church? Love never fails. So listen, if love never fails, how does a person go from saying I do at the altar to saying I don't in divorce court? Well, here's the first poison. It's sin. Everybody say sin. Sin. And this is where a person allows flesh to get involved in sinful activity that slowly erodes their heart towards the person that they're loving and their respect for God's word for the relationship. Sin. Everybody say sin. Sin can make your heart grow cold towards, you know, Christ and your spouse. So if you see your love start going cold, it could be because maybe you're allowing sin to creep into your heart. Hebrews, I know we don't talk about sin these days, but sin is still sin, right? Amen. Hebrews chapter th- chapter 3 verse 13 says this, this is so good. It says, but exhort one another daily what it is called today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Listen to the New, New Living Translation. You must warn each other every day while it is still today. So that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. Do you know sin can deceive you? Amen. And if you get involved in some sin, and I'm going to give you some of them uh, in just a minute, it can erode your relationship. Now, the, new, the, the living Bible of Hebrews 3.13 says this. Speak to each other about those things every day while there is still time so that none of you will become hardened against God. Watch this. Being blinded by the glamour of sin. Amen. Listen to Matthew chapter 24, verse 3. The context of this verse is actually talking about the last days, but I want to point out a principle of how sin can poison a relationship. It says, as, and as he sat, Jesus, upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came and privately said, tell us those things which shall be. And what shall be the sign of your coming at the end of the world? And then we're going to jump down to verse 10. Jesus said, and then shall many be offended. And shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And watch this. And many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. Watch verse 12. And because of iniquity, it shall abound. Watch this. The love of many shall wax cold. Listen to the New Living Translation. It says sin will be become rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold. Sin can grow your heart cold. So if you're in a relationship, and this is kind of like one of those... Uh, you know how you get a, uh, uh, edge up, you know, if you're a man, you know, you don't need a whole haircut, you just get an edge up. Or you know how ladies, y'all may want to touch up your edges. Okay. Okay. Let me, let me, okay. How many got a car then? How many got a car? How many, how many know that your car need tuned up sometime? So this is kind of like a tune up. Because see, what happens is, if you don't watch it, you'll let sin in 
And sin will make your heart grow cold. And this is how people fall. They say, well, I, I, I love you, but I'm not in love no more. Okay, here's poison number two. The first one was sin. Here's poison number two, selfishness. I'm talking about things that will destroy a relationship. It doesn't have to be a marriage. Selfishness. This is where a person's focus in a relationship shifts from satisfying the other person. Watch this. To self-satisfaction. Their main objective in the relationship is personal happiness at all costs. Listen to the Amplified Version of 1 Corinthians 13.55. It says, love is not conceited. It's not arrogant and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly. It does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, watch this, here it is, does not insist on its own rights or on its own way. For it is not what? Self-seeking. It's not touchy. It's not fretful or resentful. If you notice, it said it is not self-seeking. It does not insist on its own way. And when you get into a relationship, if you allow your flesh to get in control, then it will be about you and what you're getting instead of you and what you're giving. Wow. It's quiet in here, ain't it? That's okay. That's okay. Y'all wasn't ready for this, were you? Okay, let's, let's talk about poison number three. Poison number one was what? Sin. Y'all remember that one? What's the poison number two? Selfishness. Here, poison number three is spiritual carnality. And this is where a person allows their mind and their thinking to be infected by past sinful activity, illegal pleasures, improper material, or conversations that eventually cause their heart to resist the truth. And this is how people can walk in righteousness and then all of a sudden change. Because what you meditate on is what you go towards. And this is how a person can wake up one day and don't want to be married no more. They, they, they've been meditating on that and they just hadn't said anything. And then all of a sudden, you know, she burnt the toast and now you want a divorce. Over burnt toast? Everybody say spiritual carnality. Spiritual carnality. Here's one that's very famous these days. Because we have social media. And that is poison number four, sidekicks. This is where the, the compromising activities and sometimes sinful habits of friends, associates, and social companions become influence over us. And they overtake what we know to do is right. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 20 says, He that walks with the wise shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Listen to the New Living Translation. Walk with the wise and, and become what? Wise. Associate with fools and what? Get in trouble. You ever got in trouble over a fool? Amen. Everybody say years ago. Years ago, uh, you know, when I went to college, uh, before college, I, I had all these friends in high school that smoked weed. Almost all of my friends smoke weed, right? But I never smoked weed. It wasn't my thing, right? So I get to college. And uh, my first year, my roommate and best friend becomes a preacher's kid. His name was Danny. Why is it that out of all my high school years, I was able to resist weed smoking? But then I became friends with Danny, who was a preacher's kid. And Danny is the one that got me smoking weed. A preacher's kid. I'm going to read the verse again. It says, you know, uh, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. And so Dan and I, we, you know, we started hanging out. And back in the day, there used to be a park called Keith's Park. It used to be the hangout. How many know what I'm talking about? You over 40, that's why. 
so anyway, we used to hang out at this park called Keith's Park. And, uh, you know, you, people would drive, you know, that's where you cruise and you show your sound system off and, you know, just hang out and that kind of stuff. And, uh, uh, Danny, uh, was with me this one day. And so we were chilling. Uh, I'll never forget. I'm chilling. We, uh, on, I, I, I was leaning on my, I was in my, on my cousin's car. You know, laying on the windshield. You know, I had my legs on the, on the, on the hood. So I'm chilling. So some guys come up to Danny or come up to us, you know, riding by there. Hey man, you got some weed paper. Danny was like, well, I can't say what Danny said. <laughs> I almost said it, but I can't say that. <laughs> Danny did not use appropriate words. Okay. And so he got the guy mad at him. So the guy rolled back around. And when he came back around, him and another guy gets out of the car and starts to fight. Here it is. I end up with a fight because of Danny. Some of y'all thinking, who won the fight? Depends on your perspective. I know the guy hit me right here. I think he hit me in the jaw, right? So you're not going to hit me and I not hit you back. So I think he was bigger than me. So I went to the trunk and I got the, the jack of the car. You know, the, the, the thing. Not the little bar. I got the whole thing, right? I am running in Keith's Park behind this dude. I was going to clock this dude. I promise you. Let me meet the, read the message translation. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 13. It says, become wise. By walking with the wise, hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. Listen to the amplified version of 1 Corinthians 15. Do not be deceived and misled. Evil companionships, communions and associations corrupt and deprave good manners and morals and character. Who you hang out with matters. Who influences you matters. And this is why, listen, do, if you're telling someone of the opposite sex your problems in your marriage, you are heading for destruction. Personally, I don't believe in necessarily having best friends of the opposite sex and you marry and your spouse is not good with that. Amen. Amen. Because you're telling them things about your spouse from a one-sided perspective and all they're doing is, and you say, well, pastor, they, they, they my homie. They not, no, but yeah, but, but why are you telling your homie your home business? Amen. Do you know some of the affairs start with you just sharing your, your problems with someone, even if it's on Facebook? Does your spouse have access to your inboxes? Oh, I don't want to break up marriage. Let me keep reading. <laughs> so here's a question. Watch this church. This is so good. So if love never fails, then why do, the, why do relationships fail? Love never fails. We just fail to love. I'm going to say that again. Love never fails. We just fail to love. And one of the biggest problems when it comes to marriage and friendships and family and even church relationships is that, listen, we love with our love instead of with the love of Christ. And there's a difference. Here's point number two, if you're taking notes, human love versus God's love, because here's what you will find in relationships. Human love is fine, 
But human love alone is not enough to sustain the relationship because marriage is not just a natural relationship. It is a spiritual relationship. Amen. This love, this human love is not enough to maintain a spiritual relationship. And this becomes the difference now between what I call spiritual love and carnal love. Now, the world who don't know Christ, they can stay in love and they can just have love for each other and that be enough. But when you come into the kingdom, the enemy, he does not want you nor I to reflect the image of God. And one of the ways to reflect the image of God is through marriage. John chapter 21, verse 14. Let me explain the story. This is Jesus and Peter having a conversation. And in this conversation, Jesus uh, uh, is asking Peter, does he love him? And so it says now, I'm in verse 14. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples. After that, he was risen from the dead. So when he had died, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Now, the word love that Jesus was using is the word agapeo. And it means to have preference for, to wish well, and to regard one, uh, the welfare of one. It's the same word that was used in John 3.16 when God said, for God so what? Love the world that he gave his only begotten son. That word love is that word agapeo that Jesus is asking Peter. So he's saying, Peter, do you agapeo me more than these? Now, I'm not sure what the these were. I don't know if the these were the other disciples I don't know if these were the fish he had just caught to eat. But Jesus was saying, hey, what do you love more than me? That's really what he was asking me. Do you love me more than these? And so watch his answer. He said unto him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But the love that that Peter was explaining to Jesus was not the same love that Jesus was using. uh, Peter was using the word phileo, which means to be a friend of. So technically what Peter was saying, Jesus said, hey, Peter, do you love me? Do you preference me? Do you do you uh, love me to the point where nothing else before me? And he said, Jesus, you know that I'm I'm your friend. And many of us, we're friends of God, but we haven't taken that next step. He says, yes, Jesus, I'm I love you. I'm your friend. And so he said, feed my lambs. Watch verse 16. Then he said to him again a second time. Everybody say a second time. If God is asking you something more than once, that means you didn't get it the first time. He says, Peter, a second time, do you love me? There's that word agapeo again. And he said unto him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. You know I'm your friend. Then let me ask you a question. Do you think they both were saying the same thing? Huh? They weren't. Jesus was not asking Peter, was he his friend? He was saying, do you prefer me and uh, do you see me at the top? Do you see the welfare of me? He says, you know, I'm your friend. And so Peter was grieved because he said unto him a third time, do you love me? But this time Jesus realized something. The word love, this time that Jesus used to Peter, he used Peter's word. Peter, are you a friend with me? And he says, you know, I love you, Jesus. And uh, so basically at that point, he said, feed my sheep. But Jesus knew at that point that Peter did not have the capability to love beyond human love. He said, I'm I'm your friend. 
But he knew that Peter did not have the ability to love beyond human love. And the reason I know that is because it takes the spirit of God to love uh, from with God's love. And that's why now uh, we, you and I, the only way we're going to love God's way is if we love by God's spirit. Romans chapter 5 verse 5 says, And hope makes not a shame because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So Jesus knew Peter didn't have that capability yet. He knew though once, you know, Pentecost came, he knew at that point the Holy Spirit was going to be poured out on all flesh. And at that point, you know, people would be able to manifest God's love by his spirit because, you know, once you are born the first time and you're born again of God's spirit, you have the same capability to love the way God loves. Peter didn't have that in him yet. That's what made him deny Jesus three times. But here's what I want you to see. It takes the love of God to sustain a healthy spiritual relationship. Amen. Listen to the living Bible of Romans chapter 5, verse 5. It says, then, what, what then happens? We are able to hold our heads high no matter what happens and know that all is well. For we know how dearly God loves us and we feel this warm love everywhere within us. Watch this. Because God has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with what? Love. The only way you're going to love your enemies is with the love of Christ. The only way sometimes you're going to love your spouse is with the love of Christ. The only way you can love some of your co-workers is the love of Christ. The only way you're going to love your kids sometimes is the love of Christ. Have you ever wanted to knock them out? You say, well, if it wasn't up for Jesus. <laughs> it takes the spirit of God. And enough, in order for us to discern unorthodox love and what God may be trying to do is only by the Spirit of God. And you know, I'm so thankful because men may leave you, but God won't. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So, so how do we shift from human love to God's love? That's the question. How do we shift? Because, uh, many of us are in the flesh. How do you shift? From human love to God's love. Here's point number three. We're ending right here. And that is, you must decide so you can abide. You must decide. See, living in the spirit is a decision. Everybody say a decision. Yeah. Everything is a decision. Walking in the spirit is a, is a decision. Listen to Galatians chapter, uh, chapter five. I love this verse. Because here's what I'm saying. Stay in God's love and you won't have to shift from your love. Amen. Galatians 5.26 says, if we live where? Where should we live? If we live in the spirit, then, then what it says, let us what? Okay, so that means you can walk in the flesh and not be living in the spirit. But if you notice, it says if we live in the spirit, which means that that should be our primary place. So I shouldn't have to shift from human love over to spirit love. I should always be in spirit love. Now, the thing is, you got the three levels. You got the spirit, you got the flesh, and then you got devil level, right? So it's easy to shift from those three. But if I'm walking in the spirit, then the only way I'm going to get out is if I let somebody get me out. Amen. Have you ever had somebody and they're provoking you to get you out? People in traffic, they're provoking you to get out. 
Amen. Your siblings provoking you to get out. Sometimes your mama provoking you to get out. Depends on what it is, right? No, no. If I live in the spirit, then what I'm doing, I'm protecting my space now. So now I, listen, I'm aware when flesh starts coming. Now the sad thing is, we can be in the spirit, and when we saw see his flesh coming, we just, we, we go from the spirit down to the flesh. That's what happened. That's why I threw coffee on that man that day. Cause I walked into the spirit, I promise you. I walked in very happy, very focused, full of Jesus. I was full of Jesus that day. I had prayed in tongues that morning. Things were well. And I let, I let the attitude of one person take me out of, listen, out of my comfort zone. Because the spirit zone should be our comfort zone, not the flesh zone. That's why when you operate in the flesh and you don't feel good, it's because you're in the wrong zone. Yeah, no, no. The moment you step, you know when you get in the flesh too. How many know when you get in the flesh? You know. Yeah, right. So that's why, look, stay in the spirit zone. And so when the flesh zone starts coming, and so unfortunately I let someone's attitude, and that's normally how it starts. Someone's actions or their attitudes is what push us, uh, watch this, uh, challenges us from staying in the spirit. I don't have to get in the spirit if I'm already in it. Now, I'm not talking about you walking around, you know, speaking in tongues out loud in Walmart. They're going to put you out. They're going to they're put you out. I'm not talking about that. Now, that's, that, is that part of living in the spirit? Yeah, but not necessarily like that. Now, living in the spirit is living by the fruit of the spirit. That's love and that's joy and that's peace and that's long suffering. That's gentleness. That's kindness. That's what living by the spirit is. It's producing that type of fruit. And so what we have to do is once you decide, because watch this now, Philippians chapter four, look at verse 13. I've, I've taught on this principle before, but, but I want you to get this because when it comes to relationships, you have to decide that you're going to stay in the spirit. And you have to decide that you're going to live in the spirit. It says here, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. Read it with me. I. Okay, too fast. Let's read the first three words. I can do. Stop. Read it again. I. Stop. Read it again. Now, notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say my spouse can do. My neighbor can do. My coworker can do. What did he say? So just look at your neighbor and say he is talking to you right now. I can do how many things? All things. Stop right there. Can you do something you haven't decided to do? Do y'all know the answer to that? I'm going to ask the question again. Can you do something you haven't decided to do? No. Now you say, well, somebody made me do it. You still had to decide to do it. So you cannot do something you haven't decided to do. Well, watch what happens. He says, I can do how many things? All things through who? Christ who what? Wow. Wow. So question, does the strength come 
before I, I decide to do or after. How many confused raise your hand? Let me see. <laughs> okay. Let me, let me say it slower. I can do. I'm just playing. <laughs> I can do how many things? All things. Stop. I cannot do all things until I decide to do all things. Are you with me on so far? I can do all things and then I can do those through who? Christ who what? So here's my question. Does Christ need to strengthen you to do something you haven't decided to do? Do I need to say that slower? I'm going to ask the question again. Does Christ need to give you strength to do something if you haven't decided to do it? No. So why is it that we wait for him to give us strength before we decide to do it? No, he says, if you will decide to do it, I will give you strength to do it. So I don't have to wait until I feel the strength. I have to first decide. And then I have to walk it out. See, watch this. The strength, this is so good. The strength comes in the decision. Oh, so you're waiting for your husband to act right. No, no. Just ask, first decide you're going to act right. Say it again, he said. (laughs) You know what's amazing is sometimes in relationships we keep points. I feel your tank up today. I fix your breakfast I did this, I did that, I did that. And so what happens, we're keeping score. So now when you feel your cup is empty, and it's time for somebody to put some water in it, they owe you water. They're not, watch this, they're not giving you water, they owe you water. And if you see it like that, you, you have stopped becoming a giver and you've become now a taker. Say amen, church. When you and I make a decision to do whatever it is, I, you know what? I am going to stop cussing my spouse out. Now, some of y'all in here, y'all be like, Pastor, I don't cuss. That's fine. I don't either. But I know plenty of saints that do, though. Some of them are in this room right now. And it's okay because that's something you're working on. Look, it took me years to stop cussing. So I'm not expecting you to stop cussing in two days. When it took me two years. Okay? But but then, as believers, what we have to do is take the judgment off of people because you say, well, it's been two years. They still cussing. Well, it's still been two years and you still cheating. What's the difference? See, don't judge people on the sins you can see. Don't do that. Amen. So let me go back to this because it's getting kind of deep and y'all sweating. I see sweat. I saw somebody. So how do we apply this? 
This is deep, church. And this is in any relationship that you want life to come from. You have to decide every day to die to you. Galatians 20, 2.20, one of the first verses I ever memorized. It says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I what? I live. He says, yet not I, but it's Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, if you're going to have, if you're going to walk and live in a spiritual relationship, guess what? you got to die every day. You got to wake up and look in the mirror and say, you're dead. And this is, listen, if you're dead, your feelings won't get hurt so fast. Amen. Amen. You ever seen a dead man react? He's dead. You go to the funeral, let's say, you know, one of the dudes that used to be a bully in school. And so you decided to. to come to his funeral and he laying in the casket. And so you, you got, you like. Okay, I'm going to get him back for all the years that he bullied me. And you just slap him. He's not going to move. He's dead. Well, when you are dead, you won't move. When you dead, you ain't got to say nothing back and have the last word. I'm just, I ain't mad right now. I'm just trying to help some people. You got to decide every day to die. Paul said, I die daily. Here's number two. You must trust Christ to strengthen you along the way. And then number three, you have to make sure that as you walk out this walk, your your mouth matches the word. Because the the last thing you want to do is contradict with your mouth what God's word says about your life. And so there's some people with every head bowed and every eye closed. There's some people here today that need to recommit your heart to your relationship recommit your heart i'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or anything but but i'm 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 getting ready to marry a, a group of people in our second service and they say half of 50% of marriages even as christians fail why is that if love never fails then why do half of relationships fail? It's because we fail to love. And our love that we fail to do is not the spirit of God's love. It's human love that we fail, uh, that we love by. And there are some people in the room. It's time for you to recommit your heart to your relationship. Because some of you all are on the ledge. And you're going through the motion. But God wants your heart in it. And so, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every heart of every person in this room, whether it's a marital relationship, maybe it's a sibling relationship. It could be a parental relationship. It could even be a relationship with their children. Regardless of what it is, Father, you have put inside of us the ability to love by your spirit. And so I pray right now in Jesus' name that every person who is recommitting their hearts to you, to love, that they will leave today with the decision that they're going to love and live by the Spirit. 
And I pray that you will give us an alarm clock that when flesh is coming, when devil level moments are coming, that, Father, you will give us an alarm clock on the inside that says, oh, no, don't participate in that. Oh, don't say nothing back. Oh, don't do anything. Father, help us to live in that space of the spirit so that, Father, we can glorify you with our lives. And so I thank you and I praise you for every relationship in this room and in the, even those who are watching. I thank you for just a refreshing coming forth in their lives in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody say amen. With every head still bowed, maybe you're here today or maybe you're watching.